This is Larry Fessenden. And this is Glenn McQuaid. And you're listening to Tales from Beyond the Pale, the podcast. Greetings, audiophiles. I'm glad you've decided to join me on this little journey. I hope you'll take a deep breath now, a deep breath, and just relax and listen with me. Because wherever you think you are, maybe you're settled in your favorite chair. Maybe you're enjoying a nice glass of wine. Or relaxing with a bit of yoga. Or working on that tan. Perhaps you're taking Fido for a stroll. Or gazing up at the stars late at night. Wherever you thought you were, well, look again, listener. For you have crossed over. You are no longer where you thought you were. You are now beyond the pale. Greetings, listeners. Today's tale comes from writer-director J.T. Petty. J.T.'s movies, The Burrowers, Soft for Digging, and Sandman, have helped him gather quite an army of devoted fright fans. J.T.'s story, The Tender and Sweethearted Johnny Boy, arrived this morning, gift-wrapped with a bow and a little balloon attached. Well, we don't like balloons here at the Pale Residence. Now... Let's get to the heart of the matter. Ah, yes, a fittingly devised camouflage for what looks at first sight to be the picture of innocence. Johnny Boy is, on second glance, a double-edged razor blade. So continue doing what you're doing and let J.T. Petty take you into the world of parenthood and beyond the pale with Johnny Boy. His mother said we were too young to get married and spent too much doing it. And money surely was dear, especially after the insurance company told us they wouldn't pay for John's therapy. We had planned on delaying our honeymoon, but then John found us a bargain. This was December of 2005, not four months since Hurricane Katrina, and the Louis XIV in the French Quarter of New Orleans was practically giving rooms away. John used our credit card to reserve four days and five nights, and I laughed until I cried when I found out. It was everything a honeymoon ought to be for the first three days. On the fourth night, we drank a little bit and got lost on the way back to the hotel. A giant pock-faced bouncer standing outside a strip club was calling out. Oh, yeah. Hot, wet pussy. The hell is he looking Come get a belly Oh, yeah. John told him to shove it up his hot, wet pussy and would have gotten his nose broken if the giant had been closer to sober, and we ran away laughing. John always did have a temper. We turned the corner and suddenly it was quiet, and we were trying not to laugh like what happens in church when you're a kid and trying not to cut up. We almost didn't hear. She grabbed onto John's arm and she was all teeth and fingernails. Like, I don't know what kind of drugs. I know what you got! 
She was skinny as a garter snake and covered in bruises, and you could see one of her nipples through a torn T-shirt that had a cartoon on it. That blonde Calvin with the stuffed tiger, but here drinking a bottle marked XXX for liquor and sticking his middle finger up. She had tattoos on her arms and neck that looked homemade, shapes I didn't recognize. Elaborate designs like the frilly letters on wedding invitations, but no kind of writing I'd ever seen before. She had a necklace of dried bird's feet around her neck. John shoved her off and she fell onto me, her fingers like rats scrabbling up my belly, trying to pull herself up. All these bird's feet on her necklace, different sizes, chickens and sparrows and I don't know what else. The smallest of the feet, maybe night jars or starlings, had little clawed fingers that were curled around tiny white nuggets that I could see up close were children's teeth. You gotta give me one! You gotta just you gotta pay! She was trying to pull me down to the street with her, and I could see blood in the gutters between her yellowy teeth. John hit her. He balled his fist and knocked her in the head pretty good. She fell to the ground and didn't move at all anymore, and we ran. And after we'd turned the corner, it all seemed... <laughs> we were laughing, so it must have been funny. And we laughed all the way running back to the hotel. My hand. Oh, oh. oh God. Okay. And in our beautiful hotel room, we fell onto the bed and started kissing. I love it, baby. Oh, I love you. That was the craziest <laughs> shit I ever seen. Who do you think JB was? Uh, how's that? JB. She kept saying JB. <sighs> we would have made love if I hadn't asked. We were already starting into it, but then John got weird and distant like he sometimes does, which I didn't give a second thought to at the time. He said certainly didn't know any JBs. His middle name is Constance and his last name Parsons, so it couldn't be him. Once we started talking about that skinny woman, all the romance just drained out of us. And we lay there with the bed, spinning with liquor around us until sleep came on. We saw a theater show the next night and left the day after that. So it had to have been fucking the day before that we conceived our boy. John Jr. was born at the end of August in 2006. John Farfield Parson. He was always a delicate boy. He had his father's eyes and my curly dark hair and such a sensitivity to noise. John's mother said we needed more of a home since we had a family now and helped us get a loan for our house that was big enough you'd think we wouldn't have to sneak around, but the walls were so thin it's like they would go clear if you rubbed a little grease on them. We'd creep around on nights and nap times like burglars, and still Johnny would wake up just on account of the wind or an owl or the buzz of a mosquito. He would only cry out loud for a minute or two. And then it was like his sorrow was too big for any sound. His mouth would stretch wider and wider over his red gums, and his wailing would get higher and higher until it was just a thin whine, like something coming from a machine, and then higher still like what dogs hear and we don't. And if we let him cry, that cry without sound, his throat would pinch off and he'd stop breathing. It was as frightening a thing as I'd ever seen. 
My little Johnny boy with his face all twisted up and frozen like a mask, turning red and then purple and then passing out in my arms as I wailed and cried and John there yelling at me to do something. Oh, Jesus, look at him. He's turning red, him. Hey, Johnny boy, Johnny boy, he's going to be okay. Come on. Only when Johnny was out, something inside him would unclench and his face relax. And then his little chest would rise and fall. He might stay that way for an hour before he woke up again and I would feed him at my breast or walk with him through our house that was still kind of empty on account of being bigger than we had furniture to fill. We didn't sleep much in those days. John thought we were keeping the baby awake standing over his crib, watching for him to stop breathing. You know, we're going to have to get us a monitor. We can't cover him his whole life, baby. But he doesn't always cry first. Times will just stop breathing, just from nowhere. But not bad, like when he's crying. We can listen for him when he's crying. He'll be fine. You know, they got a name for it. Sudden infant death syndrome. Babies just die for no reason at all. They go off to God. Oh, it's just doctors naming something. They don't damn understand so they can act like they do. We'll get us a good monitor. We'll listen for him crying. We'll get up and get him before he goes quiet. We won't let him get all worked up. I don't know what I'd do if... I couldn't say it then. I didn't know what I'd do if Johnny Boy died. Now I can say it just fine. They had closed the Walmart on Cordial Road and moved it a few miles up to the next county and a new store called Bye Bye Baby had opened up closer so we went there. Johnny Boy lit up in his stroller looking around and cooing at all the brightly colored packages. Look at that little fucker, just pleased at the newness of the world. Ain't nothing gotten old for him yet. He loves everything, don't you, baby? You do. Shit, I don't know. Every damn thing says it's either smart or safe in this place. His first word's gonna be damn if you don't watch it. Look at this, look at this, man. Smart passy. They got smart bottles, smart damn diapers. Ooh, look at this. He's always falling over and hitting his head. We should get this for the corners of the table. No, we don't need that. I kept putting things in the cart that John would take out and put back on the shelf, saying Johnny Boy didn't really need them. Look at this. Look at this one. Smart my ass. And there was something about everything in that store that made you feel like your baby would end up stupid or dead if you didn't buy three of them. I got something smart for him. Right here. We made it back to the monitor section with nothing more than a bouncy seat, some smart diapers, a couple of bibs, and a teething ring shaped like a dragonfly. Well, this one's only $60 more for a monitor with a little video camera, and we, then we can see him. See him? What do we need to see him? We don't need that. But then we'll know. What? That he's a baby? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wasteful, Em. This store's a, it, a GD bill of goods. This one will do just fine. But I do love watching him sleep. Did you not hear me? This one will do just fine. We got the second cheapest one they had. There you go. That's right, you sleepy boy. There you go. Em, you want to hand me that knife, baby? Mm-mm, that, no, that's my nice kitchen knife. I'm just going to use it a second. It's my, it's, no, it's our Jinsu knife from our wedding. Just You're give it here, God. You're reaping the instruction book, John. It's got two wires and one button, honey. We don't need instructions. But God damn, they'll package this thing like it had rabies and wings. Calm down, John. Keep your voice down. 
God damn it! Oh, cut my dog shit. I'll bleed out here. I'm gonna get a towel. Bye bye, baby. That night we plugged in one end of the monitor over Johnny Boy's crib and the other on my bedside table. And a little rain started falling by about 11 p.m. And I fell asleep watching this soft green light on the monitor throb on and off almost right in time with my baby's breathing. We slept near four whole hours before he woke us up crying for milk. For a little while things got easier. At seven months, Johnny Boy could sit upright. He'd fall over and hit his head if you left him alone too long, but otherwise he was fine. He took to eating real easy, too. Just about anything he mashed into a pace he'd wolf down like a man coming off a 12-hour dock shift. He was always real particular about being fed, though. Would always try to pull a spoon out of your hand like he could feed himself. John figured out that he'd let you feed him if you just put a spoon in his hand. And we set aside a tarnished old spoon that didn't match the ones we were given for our wedding. Johnny Boy got so attached to it that he even slept with that spoon. Look, everything we got him was smart. Look what he don't play with any that smart shit. He likes that spoon. All right? The spoon ain't got no sharp edges. It's not going to hurt him none. He could choke on the handle or put his eye out. Well, he could have, should have, would have done, but our son's not a damn retard, honey. But I did worry about Johnny's spoon. And one night got nervous enough that I had to get out of bed so my jumping legs wouldn't keep John awake. I took the monitor downstairs and plugged it in and made myself a chocolate quick. He was just lying there, alone, asleep, holding on to a spoon like something was hunting him, and that spoon is only protection. I watched him breathe for half an hour. Sleep checked on Johnny. You, you see, he got him a bruise on his leg. Yeah, I did, but I mean, it doesn't look that bad. Uh-huh. How's he gonna get a bruise like that sleeping, though? I had to pull Johnny's little pants down to see the bruise. 
and it only struck me later to wonder how his dad had known it was there when I'm the one who changes all the diapers. That night we started what our pediatrician calls sleep draining. There's nothing to it. You just let him cry. God, it's awful. I know, but the doctor said we gotta let him work it out on his own. I know, I know. We sat in the kitchen, John drinking a Coors Light. We listened to our baby cry. At least we know he's breathing. It had happened a few times. I've been down in the kitchen or trying to nap, and Johnny's crying would get to that bad place where he wouldn't breathe anymore, and I'd rush to hold him and do the things Dr. Lampert said would help blowing in his face, bouncing him up and down. Oftentimes, John would have gotten there first, looking angry at not knowing what he could do. I can't keep listening to this shit. Wanna go watch some TV or something? Yeah, maybe I'll do that. I got myself a Coors Light once John was down in the basement. I was allowed one or two a day, even with the breastfeeding. He stopped crying. He was still breathing. I took a sip of beer and closed my eyes. Thought it would be okay to lay my head on the table for a little bit. wasn't breathing. I picked him up and blew in his face. I jostled him like I was supposed to. Gently. Gently. Shh. There you go. Come on. Shh. There you Here go. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. What are you, what are you he doing? He wasn't breathing. Don't shake him, goddammit, honey. I just, he, Here. Here. Oh, give him to me. Come on, Johnny boy. Okay I was just yeah. trying to help, Johnny. You think you were done trying to help? Jesus, fuck, honey. What the? Oh, shit. John pulled back our baby shirt and there was a bruise that covered near his whole back. It was dark and mottled. I remember in high school a teacher telling us that bruises were blood pooling under the skin. And that's just what this looked like. John, I, How could I you? would never... John! How could you, Emily? John, I didn't do anything. John. I was just trying to... Get the fuck off me! John, I was, I was just trying to help. I swear it was... John held him, kept him from me, sitting in the rocker all night. Whenever I tried to talk to him, he'd look at me like a fist was coming. By dawn, Johnny Boy was crying for milk. And once it was light, John let me hold him again. While Johnny Boy was on my breast, his dad slumped down into the rocker and fell asleep. Johnny Boy was tapping on my other tit with his spoon, something he did now when he fed. It used to make his dad laugh before.
being real quiet so John wouldn't wake up. I got the shirt off our baby's back and looked at the bruise. It was a candy purple now, and spread, like looking down on the base of a tree, like the start of five roots spreading out from a burl in the middle. Then I saw it wasn't like the roots of a tree at all, but five fingers of a palm, and a hand a lot bigger than mine. Hard labor working with wood and ropes had made John's hands as big as oven mitts. John, how could you? I thought of that woman on her honeymoon who acted like she knew us, who acted like she knew John. She said he owed her. John worked down in the golf sometimes. He could have spent time with other women. I thought about the scars on that skinny woman, the reasons that would drive a person to those kinds of drugs. John always did have a temper. John turned and coughed in his sleep, and my heart started going like a bird's. Johnny boy felt it through my breast, and I could feel him getting ready to cry. I covered his mouth and sneaked off downstairs. My mother was five years dead, and I wouldn't call John's mother to tell her I was on fire. I tried Jenny Beth and Serena, but nobody answered. I was calling Patrick, who I dated before John and I had even met, when John walked into the kitchen. Who was that? I was calling your mother. She didn't answer. What were you calling mom for? I'm scared, John. I'm scared what of? We just looked at each other. There was something wrong in John's eyes. Maybe just the left one. It's like it was bulging a little. Like something behind the eyeball was pushing on it. I tried to make sense of everything in my head, but it was all slippery. None of it fit together. John looked scared as I was and tired more than anything. I thought maybe the world didn't make sense and that was the problem. And the best you could do was choose your family and stick by them. Johnny boy was squirming in my arms. And when I looked down, he was smiling. Smiling at his dad. Everything for a second just melted away. We were nothing but a family again. John held him while I scrambled us eggs and made cinnamon toast. We ate and I fed Johnny Boy again, and then he went down for a nap without even fussing. John called in sick to work, said he'd stay home with us instead. I'm sorry getting mad at you earlier. I don't think you hurt our boy. I never would. I know it. I heard, uh, I heard voices on the baby monitor last night. Somebody whispering over Johnny boy. What? And before I heard them before, two saying terrible things. Like what? Nothing I could really understand, but it's just terrible. I could tell he didn't believe me. But he sat with me by the monitor and we listened. We didn't hear anything. Just breathing. John thought he heard a mosquito, but when he tiptoed in to look, we couldn't find it. Johnny boy mostly slept and ate all day, carrying his spoon around, cooing and smiling. He fell asleep at 10 o'clock like usual. We plugged in the monitor and had grilled cheese sandwiches and cans of beer and went up to bed. But we didn't sleep. 
I stared at that green light throbbing on the listening end of the monitor. I knew that in the dark, the voice would come back and I could make John listen. The green light pulsed on and off, and our baby breathed in the room down the hall. John turned and wriggled for near an hour, and I could tell he wasn't sleeping either. <sighs> I'm, I'm gonna get a drink. You're right. Just water's all I'm getting. I could hear John moving around the house, and then I couldn't anymore. I made myself lay there for ten minutes, counting them off. Time passed. Johnny boy kept breathing. ran down to the nursery. John was in the room, lying on the floor by Johnny Boy's crib. He sat up like I caught him cheating, eyes wide. What are you doing in here? I heard you. What? I heard you. What? Shoot, what? Shh, just come on, get out of here, come on, get out of here. He got up and pushed me out of the room. Don't you dare, don't you dare. Just please. Don't you dare. Hush, damn it, you gonna wake him up. Don't you hurt my baby. That's a hell of a thing for you to say to me. You let me by. You let me no, by. You don't no. you dare push me. You let me by. <clears throat> now. He hit me. Open handed, but he hit me. Then he curled his fist up tight. Now, I'm sleeping in there. You can't hurt our boy no more. What? Never again, Emily. I had tears on my face back in our room. I sat on the bed for a scant minute before I took the monitor and walked, quietly as I could, past the nursery and down the kitchen and plugged it in to listen. I could hear Johnny Boy breathing. I couldn't hear his daddy at all. I pictured him standing over the crib. I strained to hear if he was whispering something. I wouldn't let him hurt our boy. Not anymore. That Jinsu knife was sitting on the drying rack. I picked it up and held it. It was cold in my hand, and the weight of it felt good. I took my socks off so my feet wouldn't slip if I had to move fast. I figured I could make it up to the nursery in five seconds at a flat-out run. I sat there and watched the green light. I wondered why I'd married that man without thinking it through more. And I thought about how much burden our son had hurt. I figured there wasn't much worse John could do to hurt me. He could hit me all he liked, and it would never compare to that. My hand was crabbing around the knife, so I laid it on the table. I don't even remember running up the stairs. Only know from what was left after that I had the knife in my hand. It was Johnny Boy. He was sitting on his daddy's chest with that spoon in his hand. He was looking back at me and there was something about him I couldn't quite focus on, like something dark shimmering around his head. He had that spoon on his hand and the head of it was all crimson. He had used it to pry out and swallow his daddy's left eyeball. I could see John's empty socket, the welling pool of something like blood inside, dribbling out. Red like blood, but also deeper like a trick mirror. 
Like there was something more to it. Johnny Boy had been eating something of his daddy's, more than just his glove. But more than that, I can't say. He looked right back at me. He was rising and falling with the movement of his dad's chest. There was blood running down his chin. Him looking right at me. I could see the thing shimmering dark around his head. I could hear it more than anything. It was mosquitoes. A halo of tiny insects. He put the spoon back in his father's head and fed himself another bite. I did have that knife in my hand. And then I didn't anymore. My attorney is pleading defense. Says that I'm not firmly in touch with reality or rightly in control of my faculties. I'm inclined to agree. Well, there you go. They say parenthood is the best form of contraception. Perhaps those two should have set their sights on a nice pet, like a cat or a canary. Well, until next time, this is Pheasanton signing off. You have just listened to Johnny Boy, written and directed by J.T. Petty. Produced by Larry Fessenden, Glenn McQuaid, and Lisa Wisely. Featuring the voice talents of Shea Wiggum, Amy Simons, Tom Knutson, and Bill Whedon. Original score by On Fillmore. For more on On Fillmore, including information on their latest release, Extended Vacation, go to www.onfillmore.com. Theme music by Jeff Grace. Sound supervisor, Tom Effinger. Re-recording mixer, Jeff Seeley. Sound design, Scott Ferreira. Assistant editor, Eric Gittleson. VO and Foley recordist, Eric Gittleson. Foley artist, Sean Brennan. Digit in-house producer, Alicia Loving. Audio post facility, Digit Audio Inc. Copyright, Glass Eye Picks, 2010. rescue team of astronauts is dispatched to a distant moon in hopes of reclaiming survivors from an ill-fated mission. This Oracle Moon. Only on Tales from Beyond the Pale. The podcast. <laughs>